the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Lisa. Here we are. I, 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 I said that this summer I'm not going to complain, but I am sweaty. Is that complaining? Is that close? Well, that, that's no, on the line, that's isn't a it? Fact. That's a fact. That's a I'll fact. I'll take that as a fact. <laughs> and I'm thirsty. That's a fact. Okay. And I'm no, no. I'll just leave it at that. But you know what? It is hot. It is hot. It's okay. We've it's made okay. life choices. Maybe it's the call of God that has us here by exactly. cho- by choice. I know. Just think of that's the winter months. This is that's exactly. why we're here. That's yeah. why we're here. Exactly. I don't have to scrape ice off my windshield. No. No. But we're here. And we get to do awesome things, including on this show. We get to have like the coolest people and the best people in town come to our studio and we get to meet the Obed Escobar. Welcome, Obed. Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, we get to have Obed Escobar here on our show today. And I'm super, super happy. Obed is a bro, he's a friend. Yes. Uh, (laughs) A brother from another mother, as I say, or a brother from another madre. (laughs) <laughs> like that, there like like, That's good. like how I adapt. That's good. That's I'm very cr- I'm very you multicultural. <laughs> You're really immersing. <laughs> <laughs> so Oban and I met maybe six, five, six years ago, and we just connected, and we've we've just always been following each other's careers and what that we do. We've had chances to work together and interact, and I was like, this I love this guy. And Ob- so Obed is the head of Titus Foundation, working with. Hispanic pastors and and equipping them to minister effectively in their communities, and he's he's a mover and shaker. He's he's had his hands with I mean with Christian Family. He's worked with Christian Family Care. He was on staff at Christ Church of the Valley, DeVos Foundation. Uh, he sits on the the gov- uh, the Child Safety and Empowerment Council with the governor. Um, advisory board of Grand Canyon University. Oh, I, I can't. I don't even want to. There's so much here. Wow, I I'm not no even done idea. yet. <laughs> so, but he's also a father with yes. two daughters. Yes. How old are they? 25 and 21. 25, 20. So you're, you've got, are they out of the house? No, they're still in the house. Oh. Man, I, <laughs> so I'm, close. My, mine's 17. I'm thinking she's going to be gone here and, and maybe they don't leave. Maybe they stick around. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're still there. <laughs> Signs are changing. Signs are changing. <laughs> I know. It's so expensive. Yeah, oh, you yeah. You have to kind of have to stay at home. Oh, but thank you for being on our show. We're really excited uh, to to talk with you. First off, tell us what is the Titus Foundation. So the Titus Foundation, uh, the mission is to av- advance the gospel among urban kids, teenagers. And so, therefore, we focus on equipping and training those who are discipling them. 
the youth pastors uh, usually don't have any formal training, never gone to a seminary per se. And so we come in and provide the training that they desperately need so they can train the next generation. Oh, I love that. Because it really... That is the age group we should really be focusing on. For They're sure. the influencers, not just of the future, but now. Yes. Yes. My husband and I did youth ministry for many years, and I grieved when we left that, and he became a lead pastor. Mm. I, didn't, I wasn't ready to adult it's a yet. Different, it's a whole different vibe, isn't <laughs> exactly. it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes, because it's, oh, uh, they're, they're so, when they, when they trust you, they're so real and authentic and vulnerable, and it's refreshing, mm-hmm. and yet- they're going to get in there, and they're going to do something about it. They have better snacks, too. Yes, I think they the do. Kids, they they just, do. There's more food-related. I think once you get in the top, it's just not as, I don't know, not as exciting. Um, every time I drop my daughter off at junior high, there's always this incredible snack buffet. Like, I didn't get that. They got, the kids got it good today. Good pizza. Good pizza. Yeah. Pizza is, exactly. is, the, is the foundation of youth <laughs> yes. ministry, isn't it? You have to have pizza. The Bible and pizza. Mm-hmm. Acoustic, use acoustic guitars. Yes. Those You need to get those three, and you can pretty much do. There you go. Do youth Success. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, I mean, are there a lot of Hispanic churches in Arizona? Yes. I will say that just in the Phoenix metropolitan area, we have probably 400 to 450 Hispanic churches. Wow. I had no idea. Yes. That's so good. So that's probably more than – that's like – I think we have like 3,000 churches in Maricopa County. Yes. As, as, and so that's 15, 20% of all churches are Hispanic, mm-hmm. primarily led his, Hispanic churches. Yes. That's significant. That's really significant. Yeah. I don't think we think about that. No. No. And so is it like a – no? how are – how is the Hispanic church different than – I mean, it's these are very broad generalizations, obviously. Right. But how is the Hispanic church – different than we, what we often think of. One of the major differences is that most of the Hispanics are concentrated in urban areas okay. of the valley and very few in the suburban areas, okay. if you will. Therefore, to minister and to reach out to the next generation becomes harder because pretty much a lot of the churches, Hispanic churches, are, are in the Maryville area, yeah. which is usually pretty hard uh, to raise a family or to raise teenagers there. So for those of you, the geography in, in Phoenix is – we're in a massive city spread out, and Maryvale is sort of on the western side of the city, generally considered one of the lower economic areas of the whole state, or this, at least of, for, of the county for sure. But High crime. High crime. Uh, yeah. Drugs and Dr- – Yeah. So you have a lot of demographics that you're working with, and, and it's, it's like that you don't have it out, and, out in the suburbs, right, as far sure. as um, – education, poverty, housing, all of that. So what makes that, how do you, how do you pastor through that? Like, cause, because there's a lot of physical needs, I would think, that have to be addressed along. It's more of a holistic approach. You, you said it right. It's a, it has to be a holistic. You can have a tremendous leader and have a tremendous youth ministry, but when ministry is over, you go to the street, right? There's drugs, there is uh, sex trafficking, there is uh, gang activity, and so... When you equip this youth pastor, you need to be thinking holistically. You know, how can we help them disciple the next generation at the same time, help them in all the areas of their lives as well? Right. Because there's survival needs that kick in. For where sure. it's like you, you give the gospel, but like you said, they go out and they're like, but I got to eat. Mm-hmm. I got to live. And a lot of us would label well, they're just a druggie or whatever, but there's right. a reason. 
Yeah. Right? So how do we see beyond to see the person and the needs and how do we address those needs and really love like Jesus would where he saw deeper into the person. So that's going to be a unique challenge that a lot of churches don't face that are maybe out in the suburbs or even around that there's some of that, but you have a lot of that to address. Yes, for sure. Lots of single moms Mm -hmm. with fathers absent, whether Mm -hmm. it's in prison, whether it's uh, drugs or he's gone. And and, uh, it is, it it will become, that will be, I will say that will be a big difference between the Hispanic church and then, like you said, the Anglo church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what are you, what gives you hope with this? As you see the, these young adults, basically, right? Yes, uh, a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. They, like you said it before, they want to change the world. And when they have the tools, we've been finding out. We have so many great uh, stories right now that with the right tools, with the right uh, leadership development, uh, training, they, they shine. They, they, mm-hmm. you know, they learn to overcome obstacles and learn the gospel, the power of the gospel mm-hmm. to transform a community. Mm-hmm. So usually we already know that the gospel can transform the heart of the person. But through training, they find out that the gospel also can have the capacity to transform their own communities. And that's where I see a lot of hope. This is, this is you just, you're, you're piercing me to the heart because this is like what I think the, the full sense of the gospel and its power is not just individual. It, it, it's actually transformation. Uh, in the big, in a bigger, it's a transformation of the concept of family. It's transformation even in the concept of community. So, how do you instill? Let's flush this out a bit, a little more. How do you instill a, a bigger sense of the gospel for a youth pastor to think about their community? So, I would say uh, something that you mentioned to Jonathan about Christian worldview. Christian worldview changed my the way that I really look at the world. I grew mm-hmm. up in a Christian home. Right in a Christian church, and give and your you, father was a pastor. My father was a pastor right. all his life, pretty much. And it was, you know, you give your heart to Jesus, and your sins are forgiven, and you will be living in heaven forever and ever. Yeah. What about here on earth? Mm-hmm. You know, so Christian worldview focuses in not just the four gospels, but the whole Bible mm-hmm. since the very beginning, when God gives Adam and Eve the command to, to, the mandate, mm-hmm. really to take charge of the earth if you mm-hmm. will, uh, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes. And so uh, now that through Jesus we have been restored and redeemed, we want to go back to this, the, the original plan of God, mm-hmm. having men and their family living in a beautiful place and a safe place and a healthy place. And so when uh, youth pastors start looking at uh, not just the gospel for the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life, mm-hmm. but also the difference that it can make in our communities, everything is started to change. And they, they start taking ownership for whatever is taking place in their own communities. Mm. I love the power part because I think we, a lot of times, don't speak for myself, we, we get very complacent with the gospel and the power of the gospel. Yes. And, and we don't realize that we have the power of Jesus when the two transform, like you said, not only ourselves but collectively – a community. I, it's easy to look at a certain community and give up on it and go, it's, it's going to always be that way. And so we don't enter in, so to speak, deeper, and we don't ask God for, you know, for bigger, bigger dreams and bigger, you know, bigger questions, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and instead, we just sit back and go, it'll always be that way. But there's these generational approaches that we can change um, the generations. And what was doesn't always have to be. 
And I think that's a, a powerful message, which you're trying to instill in the youth. Like, you can be the ones that change this, mm. right? Which is exciting. Yeah. It is exciting. I, I am from, uh, originally, I am from Guatemala in a third world country. And 40 years ago, we barely had any gospel. We have religion, mm-hmm. but not the gospel. But when missionaries from the United States went in and took the gospel and people started opening and reading their Bibles and, and obeying the Bible, the change was not just in the heart. You started the, now you can see the change in the whole city, in the whole country. It's a diff, completely different country. So I saw with my own eyes the, the power of the gospel to transform not only life as community, and I am 100% uh, trusting God. We're going to see those changes in areas in our city like Maryvale, South Phoenix, Sunnyslope. Mm, we forget mm-hmm. of the power of the gospel, Yes, right? Yeah. That's within us. Absolutely. And it, it isn't just let's save someone in Maryville and, or to get them out of there. But actually, that God saves them to, to they will then be the light of Christ, both in what they say and how they live, and what the, and how they're what kind of neighbor they are, what kind of family they are, what kind of business person they are. They're living out their their faith in all these areas of their life. Yeah, and that where the name derives from the Titus Titus Foundation, Titus, the Book of Titus, mm-hmm. right? the Apostle Paul sent young Titus into the island of Crete. And really bad people were living in that island. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of problem with the church. They were, the, the leadership of the church was not doing okay too. And Paul said, go into that, send young Titus to the island of Crete and said, take the gospel, mm-hmm. make sure that you have the right leadership in place, and don't forget about good works. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we teach about the young people don't forget about having the right doctrine in place, mm-hmm. the right leadership skills that you will need, and don't forget to do good works in your community as well. Mm. I wonder if we – like I wonder how much youth ministry focuses on that. I, that's a good question, not uh, both in Hispanic church but in, in the church in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's engaging kids, getting them to know each other and, be, and, you know, and study God's word and, and worship, all the aspects of ministry. But – the idea that even at the very beginning as a, of someone's faith journey, as, as a, that they feel like they have – can do good works in the community or empowered to serve. I don't know. I, I, just something I'm thinking out loud about. Mm, that's good. I love when you process out loud. Processing out loud is so good, right? We need to do that on radio with guests, which is, I, which is fun. Was I, did I say that out loud or did I think that? <laughs> and it's not a secret that a lot of young people are leaving the church. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Barna research shows that one of the reasons that they are living is because they don't see that the church has any – it's not relevant mm-hmm. for their lives or for their community. Mm-hmm. But when they find out that through the gospel, you know, you can actually make a difference in a community in somebody's life, in a young mother's single mom, mm-hmm. which I call them to be the widows of our time. Sure. They're like, oh, wow, now church – they start looking at church in a different light, in a different mm-hmm. way. And wanting to make a difference. Wow. Well, it's moving past religion into For relationship. Sure. Yes. And I think we, you know, there's a lot of religion that has trapped us, and we've seen that, which has not been transformational. It, it, transformational. Transformational. Right. That's yeah. a hard word. It, but it really is about the relationship. Yes. The relationship with Jesus, the relationship with each other. And through that, what we can do as a community, and especially youth, I so believe in, I'm, my heart is with the youth. I just uh, so much potential there, and a lot of it's untapped. And sure. I think so many of them are looking for somebody to go. I believe in you. I believe that you can, and that you are a leader. And people need to somebody to tell them who their identity is, mm-hmm. right? And I think so many of our youth, whether you know all races, they're being told negative 
things about mm-hmm. themselves. You're just this. You're just that. Instead of going, here's who we see in you, what mm-hmm. we see in you, and just to raise them up to see that you could be the next leaders in our community. You are you leading are. in our mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Part of our training uh, with, that we do with Youth Pastor is about teaching them to identify needs in their communities and also resources in the community. And so at the beginning and the early days of Titus, we're like, we just identified the biggest resource, the biggest asset that this community have. That is the young people. Mm-hmm. Not only for them, but youth pastors ha- have influence over usually 15 to other 20 kids. And we decided if I remember that meeting very well. If we equip 100 youth leaders a year with an average of 15, 20 kids, the impact is so big. And mm-hmm. we, that's when we decided we have to do this. Mm, it's so good. So how long is, have you been doing this like intentionally? For about four years. Before we'd done a lot of things, training, but not really formal. It was when the DeVos Foundation uh, found out about our work, and they said, we would like to help. And so they did, they did a cohort here in the city that asked me to, to direct that effort. And uh, from there, after they finished their work, we decided to start our own with their support and support that a lot of people, great, great churches. CCV is one of them that has said, you know, this is great. We want to be a part of it. They've been a great, great support of us. Mm. So good. So how have uh, the students, the youth, responded to this initiative when you've started going, we believe in you, we want to do this? How how have you seen the response among that community? It it was amazing. So when they're finding out about we, one of the ways that we train youth pastors is via cohort. So we have a group that we train the 12 months of the year, and we only have allowed 12 to 14 kids into the group. And the first time around, we have 72 kids that apply for that spot. So 72. 72 of them. So we had to really conduct interviews and, and getting references from them, and it was very hard to say no. So truly, with Titus, you can look at it this way. It's not just the kids that we are training right now, but the kids that we have to say no because sometimes lack of resources, uh, which now we believe that God will bless an open door for that. Mm. What do you think is a, a, a misperception that uh, our just our culture, our community, just say it in in the valley has of the Hispanic community? Uh, I have been blessed. I will tell you, and that is my own experiences. And I understand that different people have different experiences. I always felt when I came to this country that brought, God brought me here with a purpose, and uh, I think that a lot has to do with the mindset. So 90% of Hispanic churches are in the valley right now. They don't own their own building. Mm. And uh, they are renting. So COVID really devastated the Hispanic church because most of them had to close because they didn't have money to pay their rent. But I think that through uh, training, they are starting to open up their minds and say, you know, we can actually do more. We can actually someday own our own building. And I think perception is changing a lot right now in in the Hispanic community. Knowing that right now we are still a minority, but in five to six years in Arizona, Hispanics will be the majority. And so they are really thinking, hey, we cannot use that excuse that we are a minority. Now we need to get ready ourselves. And that's what leadership development development is having a great impact in Hispanic churches right now. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's beautiful. Because we don't, we don't, you know, we, we kind of see our own churches where we're at. And we see a little bit of others, but to really understand deeply and how do we come alongside Together, like mm-hmm. the church in the city, the church in the suburbs. How how do how do you see that? Like, 
intentionally. That gives me a lot of hope too. You know, I, I have been so pretty much working for Titus. I've been full time. It's been like three weeks now. And as I talk to pastors from English churches, it's, they have the same reaction that both of you are having right now. Like, wow, this is amazing, you know. And the reaction is, how can we help? Uh, we would like to work together with Titus and with the urban and suburban church working together. I think that we can accomplish a lot of things. So there's a lot of hope. Maybe some negativity here and there. Sure. But mostly it's been very positive. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. yeah. So one thing that's, it's, it's a, it's my, here's my other big word, it's paternalism, is that oftentimes churches like in maybe her wealthy in suburbs can approach like with a sense of paternalism towards Hispanic churches. Have you had that experience? Are you aware of that dynamic? And no, and that is a great question, actually, because usually the big church comes in and helps the little one, right? And so we are working very hard into saying, you know, this is not your church helping this church or the big church helping the small church. It's about partnership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The both churches come together in one agreement for the people, for the next generation. And some churches have said, you don't even have to use our name. Yeah. But it's— uh, yeah. I, I am aware of that, that sometimes, yeah. you know, creating dependency many times because the big church goes in with other resources. With lots of money and we're paying for this and that. We expect certain things and reports <laughs> and out, outlook. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. There's so much that we can both learn, all of us together, coming yes. together to understand each other and understand the different needs and yes. and the whys to what we do certain things. And the ways we do certain things. but And that only comes through proximity yes. of really coming mm-hmm. together. And, um, you know, like your, your training program would be great for all youth, mm-hmm. right? It might yes. not be living in that area, but, gosh, there's some great aspects. And to do alongside you each mm-hmm. other, you know, being more intentional with that. I think both the proximity but even, and the posture sure. of that, the idea that we're, we're coming as equals or, at, or as learners. Yes. Learners. Yes. Uh, that's a, that's a, that is a key word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, as learners from this because I, 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 I'm a little biased pro-Obed and, and I've just, I'm aware that often and, and even seeing around the world even a lot of times churches with big resources or, sure. we, or, or even a mindset of we, oh, we need to help those, those little tr- poor churches or something and – but there's so much wisdom and value that you have and energy <laughs> that's going on. Well, and so much in the culture, yeah. you yes. know, like family-oriented, mm-hmm. uh, just so much to learn and to see and to broaden our horizons to go, the world doesn't look just like me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, Yes, for sure. And I know that I'm on your show, Jonathan, but I think that God has used you here in the Valley to be almost like that bridge between the big and the small, the mm-hmm. weak and the strong. And I think that... Um, you should. I commend you truly oh. right here for for mm. your work uh, that you've done in doing just that. Mm. Uh, you know the bridge. Yeah. How, how do you say it to filling the gap? That's yeah. something we need. You know, like you said, I'm advocating for your side, and you yeah. did a good job with that. Uh, well, mm-hmm. thank you. That's yes. yeah. We do need more bridge builders for sure. And to show us a different way to look at at a scenario, right, or to look at a story, or to look at people. Because that's how we see people. How we see people is how we treat them. Yes, mm-hmm. And right. so how do we change even people's mindsets with people groups mm-hmm. and with individual people or youth, yes. right? Not discarding them. They're just troublemakers, but going, there's so much potential. Yes, and, and it goes both ways. That's why we focus uh, two areas, uh, the leadership development. Because we Hispanic people, we need to, as well, we need to learn how to be, how to lead, how to acquire, you know, leadership skills because sometimes we have 
miss many opportunities, not only for us, but for our communities, because we don't see ourselves as leaders many times. Mm. But uh, once you, like you said, learn in your mind and believe that you can be a leader, and that, that is mm. that's going to make a difference in the Hispanic community for sure. And that's, so we focus on leadership development, Christian worldview. That's so good. You know the thing that I love about youth is if you if you can change that generation, you change so many other generations yes. to yes. follow. Yes, mm-hmm. which is exciting. So it's not just one person, yeah. but it's the ripple effect of so many families potentially beyond that. And so you're really the next generation. I mean, Hispanic church is growing. Yes, the next generation isn't doesn't have the same journey like they left another. country. They don't have the immigrant journey. They're starting here, and so you're preparing them for a whole new chapter. In the church, but you're building this in the in their DNA of this the mental DNA, this worldview, and these the practices of engaging their communities. Very exciting. I mean, you're 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 the right man for this job, <laughs> the right man at the right time. So I thank you for your faithful work, and I'm excited to watch what what God's going to do in your life and what and how this is going to unfold because we we you know we need this. We, oh, we need know. this, and your posturing, just mm-hmm. your humility, but yet yeah, your just love. For Jesus and kids. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and uh, yeah, I thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I think I just I, – I, he's, he's embarrassed. No, I'm totally embarrassed. Oh, man, I, I gave too many compliments in one And that's sentence. okay. That's we okay. like to embarrass people in all the right ways, right? <laughs> that's all right. Well, oh, but thank – I know you're a busy guy. you got your hands on so many things. And he is one of, he's one of the he, – he acts like he's, he's so available. But he's, he's doing he's, – he's, so, he's doing all these amazing things. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to be on our show. This is an important story that uh, that our listeners need to hear. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you a lot. I'm honored to be here. Thank you, both of you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities. And by Care Portal, a platform connecting the needs of children and families in crisis to the local church. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.